You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. While they're leaving, I was thinking about... uh, This Sunday and the significance of it. So did you guys know that it was on this Sunday a year ago that my lovely bride was up here with me and we got to share our testimonies with you for the first time. And so thinking back this last year of getting to be a part of this church family and be here with you and to serve with you, our hearts are grateful. Uh, We are thankful to be here and it has been An unbelievable year for us. We have never felt the love and encouragement and prayer. I don't remember when in our lives. Our families have always been there for us as well. But from an extended family perspective, we have felt your love in amazing and incredible ways. And you are loving us well. And I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, What an incredible year it's been. And we are very excited to see all of the Sundays and years ahead of us with you that God Lord willing gives us. So I just wanted to mention that. So thank you. Something else that some of us do at the end of the year, like where we're at today, is, is as we're looking over the shoulder of the coming year, we're reflecting on the prior year behind us and to think about it, you know, to, to think about the good things, to think about the things that weren't so good, to, uh, Look at our New Year's resolutions from last year and be like, what was I even thinking? Are you kidding? And <laughs> let's make better ones this year. And kind of that uh, hamster wheel process it feels like sometimes where you're just running and running and going nowhere with some of those. You know, most of the world will turn to self-help guides for help in this, psychology with this process and wanting to find the reason, the meaning, the purpose, wanting to find happiness in their lives and, and trying to reach and strive for that next thing. I came across an article here uh, on a website, cnbc.com, and, and the author, uh, not the author of the article, but the author, she interviewed a positive psychology instructor. I didn't know they had those. How would you like to be the person who's a negative psychology instructor, <laughs> Right? They probably don't get many people in their class. Um, But the positive psychology instructor at the University of Pennsylvania, up by uh, Brian and Cassie's new place, uh, her name is Emily, I'm not going to try to say her other name, Smith. I'm just going to call her Emily Smith, okay? She shares some of her research in this article. She says here, researchers found that chasing happiness can be self-defeating. Because the more people value happiness, the more likely they will feel disappointed. Even though life is getting objectively better by nearly every conceivable standard, more people feel hopeless, depressed, and alone. And then she goes on to explain that having purpose is the foundation to achieving fulfillment and thus also reaching different levels and states of happiness. Well, good news, good news. Psychology is finally beginning to catch up to what Scripture has said all along, right? I'm glad that they're finally coming around. 
You see, and Paul is going to share with us some of this this morning as we continue in the last couple of weeks of our letter, First Thessalonians. Uh, his letter, he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, uh, a letter for all of us today as well, uh, not just for them back then. But this morning, our verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through, 11, 6 through 11, sorry, I believe it kind of pulls out these two points, the title of our message today, and that's how to live with purpose because we have a rescuer. To live with purpose, we have a rescuer, okay? Would you mind to stand with me, read this with me together if you're willing and able? So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Amen. You may be seated. So the first part is to live with purpose. To live with purpose. And we're going to kind of center in on verses 6 through 8 on this part. The first point that Paul makes here is to stay awake and sober. Let us not sleep like the rest. Let us stay awake and sober. Can you guys remember a time where you have experienced uh, sleep deprivation? Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling that right now. And I'll try to not put you to sleep as best as I can. But uh, have you experienced that? Uh, New parents, you know all about this, right? Uh, If you've been in the military or some other kind of training like that at boot camp, or you've experienced having to do incredible feats physically, emotionally, mentally, while being really low on sleep. Uh, you know, parents of teenagers, <laughs> not just new parents. <laughs> the late nights of, are they going to come back in? What have they done? What are we going to, what kind of fallout do we have here? Uh, changing work schedules. Uh, I had breakfast with Logan this last week and he's recently gone to night shifts and trying to get into that transition of working nights from days and and how they'll flip it on him and go back and forth sometimes and just trying to feel like you're even human during some of those transitions and different things. There's only so much coffee, energy drinks, adrenaline that we can do to keep going, right? Our physical bodies have limits. Well, the word sleep here that Paul is referencing is different. I want to make a note here. It's different than the word sleep that he mentions in chapter 4. There he was referencing those who have passed away, the believers who have gone on before us. Here, the word sleep, he's referencing something different. It's a spiritual lethargy. It's a apathy. It's a ignorance by choice. Did I say lethargy wrong, Sam? He's my word police. I'll hear about it later. Lethargy. Kathy, I should ask you. I'm sorry, you're the English teacher. She's just laughing at me. I'll just keep going. <laughs> it's an ignorance by choice almost. It's, it's a choosing to be spiritually sleepy. 
So it's like when we choose to stay up all night the night before watching movies or playing games or hanging out with friends, knowing we still have to get up and be a mom or a dad or go to work or be here this morning at church, and we're like, why did I do that? We chose to do that, right? Well, that's what Paul's referencing here is don't choose to be spiritually groggy, spiritually sleepy. Many of us are also familiar with the phrase that ignorance is bliss, right? Everybody's heard that. Probably have even used it in referencing some things you don't want to know about. Now, granted, there are certain topics that I think that that is true, like news and politics. That's kind of the world I like to live in when it comes to a lot of the news and politics. Ignorance is bliss. If I don't know what they're trying to do or not do, I'm not worrying about it. Some people might not take that same approach, but I, certainly we cannot treat our sin or spiritual lives as ignorance is bliss. It could be eternally condemning if we did. See, our problems, they don't sleep when we go to sleep, do they? They're still there when we wake up. We can't sleep away the sinful flesh inside of us. That doesn't resolve itself when we take a nap or go to bed. When we try to, by God's grace, he tends to get our attention and wake us up, like Jonah and many others in the Bible. But all this to say is that we cannot choose to be spiritually sleepy. We cannot choose to be ignorant about things that pertain to eternity in our spiritual lives. Paul is asking, compelling this church, compelling us today to stay awake, to stay sober. And he says instead that we should be self-controlled because we belong to the day. To be self-controlled because we belong to the day. In other words, who you are is a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. You belong to the day. The day referencing here being under his protection, being following him, being in the light. The Bible uses that metaphor often. Because of who we are in him, because of what he has done for us, that is what we should belong to. So why would we choose to be spiritually ignorant or sleepy? Why would this church choose to be that? But instead, be self-controlled. Don't stay up late the night before you have to get up and go to work. Don't stay up late and all night the night before you have the opportunity to come and sing and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't stay up late the night before you know, dads, you're on point with your kids the next day. And instead of being a grumpy old bear, you can love on them and play with them and enjoy them and speak life into them. Moms too. We should also, Paul goes on to say, be sober in verse 7. And by sober here, I think, I might be reading into it, but I think there's enough other scripture elsewhere to, to grasp onto it this way, spiritually as well as physically. Okay, to be sober physically and spiritually. First spiritually, to not be intoxicated by false doctrine and teaching. To not be intoxicated by false doctrine and teaching. Are we not to be ignorant of the ways of our enemy, Satan? 
not to go about it that way, but if we're consuming ourselves with all of the things that are out there, I mean, the internet can be a great thing, and it's also a terrible thing, because we'll, we'll read a couple of blogs on there and believe what they say over what has stood the test, test of time over thousands of years. And that we should not be intoxicated by that. Luke 21.34 says, Be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing, drunkenness, and worries of life. Or that day will come on you unexpectedly. Speaking of the day of the Lord when he returns for his church. Obviously not being physically intoxicated as well. That is not being self-controlled, is it? And you guys have heard me talk about alcohol before and I can't find in scripture where it says you should never drink or have a drink. All right, that's between you and the Lord. You certainly shouldn't call as a brother, a sister to stumble. But we should obviously never be at a place where we are not in control. And if that is an idol, if that is something we seek at the end of a long day as relief or an outlet, instead of going to Christ first, then it can be a problem. The safest thing is just not touch it at all, right? It's not hurting anything to not touch it. If it's not an issue for you, if, if an addiction there is not an issue for you, and that's something you would choose to do once in a while, then that's fine. But can we be intoxicated by it? No. Scripture is very clear about that. We should be saying no to being drunk, physically or spiritually. Instead, we should be saying yes to being self-controlled. And then Paul gives us some tips, the how-tos, the, the owner's manual. A few nights ago, the, we got a new freezer here at the church, and there's seven or eight of us guys here to take the old one out and put the new one in. And Heather was here with Jimmy, and all the guys are just like, hey, we're just figuring this thing out. We're going for it. What did Heather do? She reaches in it, grabbed instruction manual, and starts reading it, making sure that we're not all being idiots <laughs> and doing this thing all wrong. So thank you, Heather, for doing that. I think she's out in the lobby or wherever she is. But <laughs> Paul's given us some instruction here, and we should follow it. Just like it was very helpful for her to have the owner's manual out so we could reference it as we needed it that night. Paul says this, verse 8, put on the armor of faith and love and the hope of salvation. I'd like to share with you as how one commentator explains this, and I think we've got some slides of it just so you can follow along better here. Paul is identifying the key areas to guard a Christian's life, specifically their heart and their head. And the virtues of faith, love, and hope are our defenses available. Faith and love from the breastplate that guards the heart and the hope, the helmet that provides protection for the head. Our faith, Christ's faith that he gives us, our faith back in him reflects confidence, a love from him to him, to others, declares a loyalty and a hope in our future because of what he's done. He is our rescuer, provides a security. 
And because of that, we can believe what God says by faith. We can do what God requires of us out of love for him, not out of obligation. And we can trust what God promises because of our hope. Interestingly, interestingly enough, modern psychology also agrees. From our article earlier, Smith, the positive psychology instructor, says this, Happiness comes and goes, but when life is really good and when things are really bad, having meaning or purpose gives you something to hold on to. That living with purpose, per Paul, per this passage, to be awake, to be sober, to be self-controlled, by protecting our heart, our head, with faith and love and hope. We accomplish this by glorifying God, our love for Him and our love for others. To live with purpose. And guys, we have a rescuer. We have a rescuer. And unfortunately, some of us don't realize we need rescued. But we can probably all relate to a time in our lives that we were rescued and didn't realize we needed rescuing. Can you think of that? I mean, if you have any amount of life under your belt, that's happened to you. I bet we could fill the room with stories of regaling each other of all of these situations and many of them probably silly that this has happened. I'd say for the parents in the room, and and may I say, if you'll permit me, especially of boys, we quit counting them as opportunities to rescue our kids, and it's become more like a daily part of life. (laughs) Any other parents of boys in the room relate to me in this? (laughs) It's just a daily part of life. You get up, you sleep, you eat, you rescue your kid from killing themselves or somebody else. You move on with your day, right? It's just part of life. At one point, our health insurance agent told my wife and I as we were meeting with him, looking at adjustments to our policy, he said, hey, could I use your testimonial of the ER and doctor visits of your boys over the last two years as a reason why other people should have health insurance? (laughs) And we're like, I don't know if we should feel honored or what here. But we had a season where we were on first name basis with the ER doctors in Rogers, It's not like the ER doctors in Anderson where everybody already knows each other. It was the ER doctors in Rogers where they were seeing who knows how many people every day. They're like, oh, Matt, got your boys back again. What do you do this time? (laughs) Well, part of our jobs as parents is pointing out these dangers, these things that our kids need rescued from, telling them why those things are dangerous or not beneficial to them. Then explaining and modeling, don't miss out on that, parents. Modeling how to avoid those things and proceed safely. And also the benefits of doing these things. See, Scripture clearly communicates to us that God is our Heavenly Father, our Rescuer. And if you want to chase down a bunch of references there as to where I get that from, please jot those down. And there's more that we didn't have screen space for this. And scripture is also very clear to say that those who believe in him are his children. And it is through scripture that God, our Father, points out to us what is dangerous 
what is not beneficial to us through his law. And by following his law, we are living out what it's like to live as belonging to the day, belonging to him. And again, this is, this is not a list of things to do and not do, a, a list of things to stifle us, a list of things to box us in and, and keep us constrained and controlled. You see, he has a perspective, like if you're a parent, you do of your two-year-old, as to why that stove is hot and you shouldn't touch it. And the two-year-old says, yeah, but it's really cool. It's glowing. There's like warmness. It's big. I see dad do these cool things in it, or mom with the wood and the fire and the pokey things. And there's all these ashes when it's done to play in with my trucks. The kid thinks it's just this magical box of awesomeness, right? But we know That thing will burn you or kill you. And they don't. And God has that same perspective with us as to why he says you shouldn't be drunk, why you shouldn't be spiritually sleepy, why it's bad to steal, it's bad to kill, it's bad to lust, it's it's bad to do this thing. It will wreck your life. And God does not want that for us. He knows what's best to save us from unnecessary heartache and pain. And guys, when, when we're hitting it on all cylinders, when everything is running smooth, it's when we are loving him and glorifying him. We're loving others around us. We're fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission. And it doesn't mean that life is perfect, but there is a sense of purpose and meaning and joy and peace even when things aren't right in life. God explains to us through his son, he models it to us through Jesus Christ and through scripture on how to avoid and proceed carefully on these things. This is our rescue. He is our rescuer. For our future, our eternal life in his presence, as well as today, the opportunities he gives us to love him and to serve him, the opportunities we have this morning to love him and serve him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10. For God did not appoint us to wrath, Did you catch that? That's what our sin deserves. That's what we all deserve. But he did not appoint us to it. That was not his plan for us. Now, that should arouse a joy and excitement inside of us greater than the Alabama and Clemson fans felt yesterday. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt, but they won. I couldn't, I would rather, for your sake, for Justin's sake, I'd rather said Oklahoma, but they didn't win yesterday. I'm an Arkansas fan, so I can say nothing. <laughs> I can say nothing. But it should. We are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, our rescuer. 
who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we're living in the day or we're being morons, choosing to be a little sleepy and groggy here, we may live together with him. You see, his grace covers our dumb choices. (laughs) Praise God. He went to the cross for us. Jesus Christ went to the cross for us so that his grace could cover those choices that are terrible that we make all too often. His grace covers everyone. Everyone will have the opportunity to receive or reject his gift of salvation. And that doesn't mean we get to be lazy about the going and doing and sending. It means let's get in the game and be a part of it. Let's be like one of the players on the field last night, not the guys on the sidelines who weren't even suited up. They just had the jersey on. Do you ever see those guys when you watch a sporting event? Or put it in context of something else. Do you want to be the guy or the gal with the jersey on sitting on the bench having to watch? Or do you want to be the person suited up and playing? Who gets the recognition? Who gets the praise? The people on the sideline? No. The ones on the field. Who are going to get the crowns and the jewels in heaven to lay at Christ's feet? The ones sitting on the bench and on the sideline with just the jersey? Or the people suited up and playing on the field? And I love how Tony shared this a couple of weeks ago about just taking advantage of conversations along the way. It doesn't have to be this miraculous presentation or this polished speech. This isn't in my notes, but just a quick lesson in sharing the gospel. Listen first. Listen to a need or a hurt Respond with sympathy and empathy. Share with them, not in detail, but how when you went through a hard time, how Christ was there with with you and for you. And he is there for them as well if they want him. It's that easy. It's that simple. And we get all tongue-tied and worried. Did that sound hard? It's just talking. Sharing Jesus, your Savior, your best friend with somebody else. Let's be in the game. Have you obtained salvation? The only way we can is through Jesus Christ, believing and receiving in Him. You remember Emily, our positive psychology instructor? Later on in the article, she says, this, she, says, she mentions there's four ways to have purpose and meaning in your life, and one of the ways is to have a transcendent state. Let me tell you what she says about this. A transcendent states are those rare moments when you've lifted above the hustle and bustle of daily life, your sense of self fades away, and you feel connected to a higher reality. Don't you, don't you just, isn't there something inside you that just feels bad for her? She's, she's close. 
she's close. She's right if higher reality is Jesus. And guys, this connection with that transcendent state, that higher reality with Jesus Christ, is through our faith in him, his love for us, us loving him in return. Again, we're back to the great commandment, loving God and loving others. The GC squared life we've talked about all year. The great commandment and the great commission. See, if we're to live our lives with purpose and meaning, we need to say no to spiritual grogginess, to being spiritually sleepy. It's not a passive thing. It's us choosing to love him. It's us choosing to be in his word. It's us choosing to pray. And don't tell me you think you already know what's in here and you don't need to spend any time in here. Because I have a great sadness in my heart for you if that's where you're at. That is pride talking. You don't know. No human being can know this to the point where they can set it down and not pick it back up and not need it again. Not one of us. We must say yes to being spiritually awake. We must say yes to remaining sober. We must say yes to being self-controlled. And this is possible. Here's, a good, here's, here's some really good news. This is possible not out of our own strength. Okay, this isn't up to me to be able to do this. This is not up to you. This is not about you having to work harder or do more this year or make more resolutions. This is about you believing more fully in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and Him working through you. Our part is our time in the Word and our time in prayer. I can promise you that if you will make that a part of this new year, an intentional, regular part, if you will commit to being with your brothers and sisters in Christ in our week, not about us having 100,000 people here, no way, but about regularly fellowshipping and worshiping brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging each other, living in community in that way, I can promise you your life will have meaning and purpose beyond anything you've ever experienced. Does anybody in here not want meaning and purpose for your life? I really don't think so. I really don't think if anybody is honest, we could have that question, we could have that conversation with somebody and anybody's going to answer, yeah, I don't want any meaning or purpose in my life. say yes to Jesus Christ and through him, through our faith, through the faith he gives us, through his love for us, the love we give him, the love we give others, through the hope and the security that we can believe that he has done what he said he's going to do. He is faithful. He is sovereign. We can believe what he says out of faith. We can do what God requires out of love. And we can trust what God promises because of hope. 
One final thought from the uh, psych instructor here. She says this, true belonging springs from love. The key to purpose is using your strength to serve others. Again, psychology is finally catching up to what God has said all along. I don't know the state of her relationship with Jesus Christ. I certainly hope that she comes to know him or knows him already. But she is right in these thoughts. And so, may I close with this, our final verse, in wishing you a happy new year and that this would be our resolution as a body. That we would encourage one another and build each other up with these truths. That we would do that. We can't do this on our own. We can't. Satan would love for you to think that you can. So that's how he gets us. That's how he wins. I'd like to pray, and uh, and then we've got we've got a song that we'll someday be adding to ones that we regularly sing around here. But we want to. I'm sure you guys are already familiar to it, but we want to go ahead and begin introducing it to you this way. We can sing it together, even even though it's on video, and our worship team's already sitting down. They can sing it with us, and we can just worship side by side with them. So, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you that you give us purpose, that you give us meaning, and that you give us strength and faith and love and hope to live out our lives in that way, a life of serving you, a life of being awake, not half asleep, wandering around in a fog or a mist. But Lord, with 2020 vision, with the truth of your word. Lord, it is only because of you. It's only because of you that we can have purpose and meaning. Let us remind each other of that often and encourage each other of that often. Let that be a part of our culture here at New Life. And Lord, as we have times alone with you as well, let that be what comes to our mind and our thought that you are our hope, you are our salvation, you are the reason and meaning that we are here and what we should live for. So Lord, as we look over our shoulder at the prior year, and we look over the shoulder of the coming year. Let us reflect on that. We ask for you to redeem where we failed. We lay down at your feet what was good. And Lord, that you would strengthen us and enable us to serve you even better this coming year. 
your precious and holy name. Amen.